The coronavirus hiatus rages on here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. It's week number nine, and we got another great show for you coming up tonight. DC United's attacking midfielder Kevin Paredes is going to join us here in just a few minutes. But before we get started there, uh, players were supposed to be back in practice this week, at least on an individual basis, but we've seen some news uh, out of the club that perhaps DC United hasn't quite gotten the approvals yet uh, from the District of Columbia. Yeah, the, the ruling from MLS was in accordance with local government. And uh, as anyone in the district in Virginia and Maryland knows, we're, we're still pretty locked up tight here. Um, so those players haven't been able to go to training. It's been pretty hard going on Instagram and seeing all this Dynamo players and Atlanta United players running around with masks on and, and getting back into shape. And Yeah, I'm definitely hopeful that uh, that we see the black and red back in training soon. You know, it's it's they've got the the facility out in Loudoun, but I don't know that that's, you know, in, in much better shape. It seems like, you know, from from all the conversations we've heard, they want to do it at Audi Field, and, and they're just working through the final paperwork with the city to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, Rory mentioned that it was going to take some, some legwork to do. It sounded like, you know, there were a lot more steps than um, what one would assume not having a say. You know, obviously, we're all like, no, just send the players back. It's fine. Have them wear a mask. But you know, it seems probably rightfully so that the league and the team are trying to be really strict about, um, you know, who's coming in and what players are doing. The last thing the league would want is, you know, news that there's an outbreak um, because of something that MLS did. I mean, I don't know if you all remember, I think it was like that basketball player that jokingly like touched everything in the locker room and then tested positive for Corona two days later. Um, I was, I would assume the league doesn't want that bad press. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I think we're also desperate to get soccer back, but we are hanging on every single potential movement of, Hey, well, players are back in the field. Maybe that shows we're coming back sooner. I, I really think it's just a question of, Hey, this is the best way that we can get these guys doing anything, you know, particularly guys who don't have yards or other you know, space that they can run around in. You, there's only so much you can do inside to get yourself ready to play a soccer game whenever that comes but i think we're still unfortunately longer off than we'd like to pay for that yeah it's interesting there was some news that that broke today uh on through espn that the the league is taking some big steps to really try to figure out what can they do next and you know we'll talk later on in the show about some of the news that Stephen goff broke this week about potential formats and 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 things like that but even just talking about testing for players for coaches referees media right like we're going to talk even further in detail about germany's plans and how some of these other countries are, are starting to get it together but for for the u.s i think a lot of those questions are, are still unanswered and and june 8th is the the most recent date that the league put out that the games could return but um i personally am expecting an update you know probably this week pushing back at least that piece, you know, we're, we're kind of due for the next, uh, what would have been the next delay of practice overall. Um, but I think at this point, you know, maybe we're closer and closer to actual team practices, but they've got to sort out some of these protocols. It's, it feels like first. I feel like we were kids at the pool during the summer waiting on a lightning break. And then all of a sudden everyone's about to jump back in and you hear thunder and whistle blows and you're sitting around waiting. Everyone's ready to go. Just, uh, gotta make sure it's safe. I love that analogy because that is what it feels like. <laughs> We're just waiting and waiting. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to go with like adult swim because, you know, some of the other leagues around the world are about to start to get to play again, but we're still going to be, you know, on, on the sideline. But I guess, I, I guess we got to get to some semblance of soccer first. So, so maybe it'll be uh, adult swim right out of the lightning break. Uh, and, and then we'll finally get back to normal. That's funny. I mean, it's not surprising to me that MLS is going to be one of the, maybe not the last, but at least not the very first one to start up seeing as, you know, when you just saw how the virus kind of spread around the world and how the countries kind of reacted to it, you know, Europe and Asia, they were definitely weeks ahead of wherever the U.S. was with the virus. So, I mean, it's disappointing because obviously I want to cheer on the black and red, but not, not surprising. Well, and there was uh, a story today, I forget uh, where I saw it, but it was basically talking about some of those elements of, hey, you know, which sports league is going to be the first one back? Is that an opportunity that you can capitalize on? And I think the, the takeaway from that article was, 
yeah, it would be great to get MLS be the only sport out there. People would watch because let's be honest, everyone wants to watch something. But you know, if that lasts for a day or a week or so, and then you have those negative things in the back end, it's uh, not really worth it uh, to try to jump into it there. Yeah, and it seems like you know from the story that ESPN broke today, some of the conversations at league headquarters, MLS realizes that there's over 700 players in the league, right? They're all kind of training on their own, doing whatever they can to stay fit, you know, because this could happen really at any moment. You know, I think we all were hoping things would have moved a little bit quicker, uh, but all the, none of the players could afford to, you know, totally lose their fitness, right? So they're going to local parks where they can, where they're open around the around the country. Um, they're using courtyards, as we heard when we were talking to, you know, Frederick Briant a few weeks ago, or, or high school facilities that, that are available. And so the, it seems like the league right now is kind of coming to the conclusion that, you know, maybe this is safer if we tell players they, they can train, but they have to do it at the team facility. So at least it's a controlled environment. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the next variable there is introducing more and more players to the mix. Uh, and, and then you get some of the same challenges you're going to see once games start. And it goes back to, you know, the discussion we've had before about you know, teams that have resources, teams that have invested in having those training facilities, being ready to handle, like, obviously no one was planning for a pandemic, but it gives you just another reason why having your own solid facilities, which DC United, to their credit, is on well on their way to having up. Uh, but it's something that I think we've all wanted for a long time and, uh, needs to even get done even faster now. Yeah, I was just about to say there's such a difference across the league of, you know, the teams that have private facilities versus teams that, you know, share really, really nice facilities with, um, you know, other sports teams versus teams that, you know, don't have anything, you know, don't have ownership, train somewhere where they're renting. So, you know, there's such a, a vast difference. I would imagine that the league is a little bit taking that into consideration. Obviously, you know, you're if your owners have put in the resources or your city has put in the resources, if you'd have a private training facility, that's awesome. And you should be able to benefit from that and, you know, have a slight advantage. Um, but you don't want to completely give one team an advantage over another. If, you know, they're just starting off or like DC United, you know, we're working on our way to getting these facilities. Um, you know, it's not like they can say that DC United is going to start with like half fit players because we don't already have this. So it's, it's really interesting and I'm not envious of not having or of having to be the one to make that decision. Yeah, it, it is, it is absolutely going to be fascinating to see, you know, how this all comes together after solo training players start to come back into real training. Testing's obviously got to be figured out. Um, and, and honestly, what are some of the, the competitive matches themselves going to look like? I mean, We'll talk a little bit later in the show about the formats that are being kicked around, but we've talked a bit on the show about what it's going to be like without crowds. And, you know, I, I actually went back and found a video on YouTube from one of the, the Champions League games this year that took place overseas, you know, right before this all happened. Uh, and, and it's just, it's so eerie without, you know, without, um, without fans at the stand. So, you know, what is that? What is that going to look like? It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, well, you know, if they go the, the cutout route or they pump in noise, I don't know. I think it'll, overall, you know, we're learning every day. And I think, you know, there are going to be jokes and memes and teasing and whatever. But as long as we get soccer back, I'm totally fine with whatever they decide to do. We we can't wait. And uh, one, we also don't want to keep our guests waiting. Uh, Kevin Preyas has just, just joined us here. So we're going to toss it the break, uh, get him mic'd up, and we'll be right back here on Tried and True. The DC United Postgame Podcast presented by Heineken. The DC United Postgame Podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than two minutes. Can't listen to us live on YouTube? Fine. Tried and true. The DC United Postgame Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or Pocket Cast the morning after the match. Tried and True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 90 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening live. If you want to join the conversation, let us know what you think in real time using the chat on YouTube Live, on Twitter using the hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU, or text us at 202-892-6328.
Tried and True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds. Let us know what you think between games on Twitter at hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU or email us at TriedAndTrueDCU at gmail.com. Tried and True, the DC United post-game podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 30 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Tried and True DCU. Again, that's Instagram or Twitter at Tried and True DCU. We are back here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And we're pleased to be joined by Kevin Paredes. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. No, it's great to have you on. We're, we're, we're super excited to, to chat with you uh, in the midst of the, the virus break we're having right now. But most yeah. importantly, how are you and the family holding up uh, with everything that's going on in the world? Yeah, it's kind of kind of getting hard to adapt to all of this, but... You know, we're, we're holding up pretty well. Everyone's staying safe and healthy here. You know, getting on my brother's nerves is always fun. But yeah, we're all doing well. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. It's definitely, I noticed, you know, the, the longer this goes on, the more you're having to adapt, it feels like. But um, it's good that you're staying good. Um, how's it going with your schooling? Well, it's going, it's going well. You know, having a lot more time to finishing up stuff than a normal day of training and going all the way to D.C. But yeah. I've been having a lot more time with schoolwork and getting stuff done, which is really good. My parents are happy about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you mentioned training. MLS has allowed uh, limited train individual training so far, uh, but it seems like team training is starting to open up, at least for some other teams. Uh, we've yeah. talked to Fred and uh, a couple of the other players about how they're staying fit. How are you doing it in this time? Well, if you guys know, the, uh, DC sent us workout plans and um, – yeah, I've been doing my best ability to do that and do more to keep up with guys in, until we come back. And, yeah, staying focused on that. So when I come back, I'm as fit as the rest of the group. Definitely a challenge to keep up on the, you know, so you, you're a fairly recent addition to the D.C. United senior team. You came up through academy. Uh, what was that experience like? Are all the academy players looking at that saying, hey, I want to play for the, the big guys? Or how was that experience for you? Yeah, that transition from being academy to senior team is really, really cool and honored uh, to be a part of it. And all the academy guys really pushed me to to get to where I am today. So I appreciate them as well as as they work hard to hopefully get in my position too. And yeah, if we all work hard, they can definitely accomplish that. Do you have a favorite DC United Academy memory that you can share with us? Ooh, had a lot of those. Um, probably U15 year. We were the first uh, USA team to win the Cayman Islands tournament. It had like big teams like Man City, Cuba's national team, a lot of Jamaican teams. So we were fortunate enough to actually be the first USA team to win it. That's amazing. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. You already know what a winning mentality is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> once yep. you up and get some more consistent starts, you'll carry yeah. the team all the way to the cup, I'm hearing. Hopefully, hopefully. That's the goal. <laughs> so what's it been like, you know, having guys like Griffin and Moses on the team? I mean, obviously you guys are all around the same age. I, I, I've heard from Griffin a little bit that you guys have a tight bond. I mean, what's, what's that relationship like? And, and what does that mean to have, you know, some really good friends on the team as well? Yeah, it's it really cool because um, me, Griffin, Moses have all been best friends through the academy. We grew up together. We trained hard together not to see that we're all like being successful and working hard every day. And having them two, even though they're we're the same age, having them as my mentor as well, it's really really blessing for me to learn from kids my age too that are also doing big things as well. Who's the most competitive out of the three of you? Most competitive. Oof. 
don't know. It's either me or Griffin. We're <laughs> the both of us go at it, or even Moses. All three of us are very competitive, but yeah, it's it's fun working with them. That's great to hear. Uh, I saw I was trying to pull up some of your stats from the the US 17s, and I saw you scored. It said you scored your first game in the uh, goal in the game against the Netherlands. Uh, mm-hmm. That was three three. Uh, and I saw that Moses had also played in that game. How is that being on the U17 side together? Oh, it's it's an honor to be uh, part of the DMV and being the two that get to represent the DMV for the national team. So uh, we both work very hard for this and being a part of the team, um, representing the country, representing ourselves, representing our family, the team is an honor for us. So happy for that. That's awesome to hear. Uh, you're DC United's 14th homegrown. Have you talked to, to, to any of the homegrowns uh, like Bill Hamid or, or you know, before he left, Chris Durkin, about how it how that how it goes from being a, an academy player to one of the stars on the team like those guys did? Yeah, I, I had many chats with Bill. Haven't had any chats with uh, Chris yet, but hopefully down the road I get to talk to him once. But um, yeah, from Bill. Yeah, he told me it's all about keeping my head down, staying humble, and keep working. Even even if I don't have the chance right now, since I'm starting up, um, the best way to go at it is working hard, showing um, responsibility at a young age. And he, he definitely showed that uh, for DC. And now he's a really good player, really good keeper for us. So it's cool to see um, his advice and how hard he worked for him being the national team as well. So having a person on the senior team giving me advice and um yeah he takes good care of me and don all of those guys take good care of me that's awesome i was about to say it sounds like you have so many great mentors on the team and you know have you been able to talk to bill and paul specifically about the national team and you know what that feels like um and what that process is like yeah i talked to paul a lot um since we're similar to the same position smaller guy on the field um it's good to have someone I can look up to and um yeah so he he basically told me since I'm not the strongest fittest guy right um right now uh he he taught me to like uh always stay humble and work at work harder than everyone else um so that hopefully down the line I can get into their position too on the senior team and work hard for that have you been talking to U.S. soccer I mean obviously you know focus mostly on the level right now but has U.S. soccer been in contact you know checking up on how the training is going and everything yeah yeah U.S. soccer has um, um been checking on me lately uh they send me like how am I doing just just stuff like that the coaches that I have um checking up on me seeing if I'm staying safe and healthy keep working and stuff like that so yeah it's, it's really cool for them to uh, speak to me at this time and it's really it's really uh, encouraging and giving me more confidence to keep working hard. And if I see uh, coaches like that giving me advice, it shows that they really care about their players. So, yeah, it's, it's a really cool experience right now. We're live with Kevin Paredes here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And if you've got questions for Kevin, uh, go ahead and send them in using the hashtag Tried and True DCU or go put them live uh, in the YouTube chat. So, Kevin, one of the common themes we've heard from talking to some of your teammates uh, is that you're really good at FIFA. Uh, we heard it's like pretty much not a question that you're the best on the team. Uh, what's, what's the background? What's the secret to success? Man, when, when you have a lot of time here, especially at this time and getting my work done, getting uh soccer done and afterwards, I can just chill. Boom. You see me <laughs> as soon as I get home, I'm, I'm on the sticks. I'm on the sticks playing. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I gave some of those guys, a big L, but <laughs> we, we yeah, actually heard we got some intel that you beat somebody ten nil, which like that might be that might have to be a lifetime ban at that point. I mean, can you can you spill like who who caught that L? <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but I had to give it to Bill. You know, <laughs> I, had to give it to Bill. I had to give it to Bill. It was <laughs> he he told me he was really good. I was like, okay, so this is gonna be a game. And I got to the game. It was like one or two minutes in. I already scored. I was like, come on, Bill. It's not one of these games. How do you guys yeah, so, set up the, like, is it, do you guys play with just like random teams? You pick your favorites or how does it, how does it usually go? Was it yeah, at least we, a um, fair playing field first, for Bill to lose? 
yeah. Yeah, the first game that we played, me and Bill played two games. The first game we played, um, we just picked our teams. I'm pretty sure I picked Bayern and he picked Man City. And I was just a whooping. He didn't even know the controls. And I was like, come on, Bill. <laughs> and then um, the second game was, um, he was Man City again. I was DC and ended up whipping him 6-0 again. So. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bill, Bill. Expected more from Bill. <laughs> We've been working to create the, the DC United players FIFA power rankings. And I think we now know who's at the bottom holding up the stack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bill's not the greatest, but hey, I'm still, still happy to play against him. Do you have How- like a go to team that you always use, or do you switch around a lot? Yeah, I usually use Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich is a strong group, so I use them. Or if I'm playing against the guys, I like to use DC as well. Yeah. Use our own players against. <laughs> Beat them with themselves. I like it. Yeah. When I was playing with uh, against Fish, um, I, I was DC again, and I had like six goals with Fish against him. So <laughs> it was funny. It was, it was really fun. We can definitely see that competitiveness right now. <laughs> Go yeah. for fun. Yeah. <laughs> Now, has that ever backfired? Have y'all like you know played a game of FIFA, then headed out on the training field, and some of them have uh, taken out the frustrations on you, or? Nah, not yet. They haven't used the FIFA aspect on me yet. But you know, when we get to the field, is 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 really competitive. So maybe, maybe, but I just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> actually, yeah, that has happened once. Actually, when I played Uli Sura, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I whooped him like nine one or something like that, and I'm pretty sure the next two practices he I forgot what it was. We were doing rondos in the beginning, passing around, and he got a nasty bag on me. So maybe, maybe, maybe it was that. Maybe he got back at me for that. But yeah, gotta get props to him. He got me good. Does can anybody keep it close with you in FIFA? Because from everything I've heard, it's 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 not. Yeah, so um, Earl, Earl, me and Earl had some quite a, uh, good games, but lately we've been playing during this quarantine. It hasn't been going good for him. But <laughs> a player I want to play against is Sorga. I heard I seen Sorga's team and stuff like that. I heard he's a really good um, FIFA player. So hopefully I play against him. I played against the uh, MLS pro for DC Mohammed. I played against him. Yeah, it's actually pretty, going pretty good. It's a one-one tie right now. Okay. Got first game. Yeah, he got me the first game, but I got him the second game. So, yeah, it was it was a hard game against him. But now, if you start beating him too much, do you have to do double duty or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That second game, I was lucky. I got a PK in like the 90th minute. I missed it, but I got the rebound. So Muhammad was laughing, and it was fun. It was fun getting playing. Have you been watching the uh, EMLS tournament special? What did you think of Paul's performance there? Hey, Paul. Paul won the first game, so yeah, I, it was it was a cheap goal, but hey, I I texted him, I was like, hey, a win's a win, so <laughs> we take anything. What do you think about the other competition, kind of throughout the league? Do you think you could take the other players on handedly, or? Yeah, I think so. Me and Muhammad were talking about that. He was saying like, uh, if it was me and him, no disrespect to Paul, but we probably we probably would have went far. Probably, <laughs> we probably would have won it, but hey. Whatever. Hey, I'm sure there'll be another opportunity. You know, maybe maybe in the in the real off season, you know, they'll do this mm-hmm. again and give you guys a break, or, or or maybe even during training camp next year. That would be uh, yeah. a cool time. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad if this was something the league continued. You know, in the off seasons, um, it's been a lot of fun to watch. But um, you know, soccer, soccer, soccer. Do you have any other hobbies? Anything else that you know you spend your time doing? I mean, don't get me wrong, I love soccer and I'm all about it. But anything else? Um. Well, I can't really do it now, but basketball, I'm a big basketball fan too. And yeah, I played basketball pretty much like through elementary to middle school and then stopped when I, as soon as I got to the academy. But yeah, so I play against a bunch of like the high school basketball players. I keep up with them and told me I should play for the basketball team. But I was like, nah, that's not, that's not going to be my thing later on. I'm too small for that anyways. <laughs> so, but yeah, basketball and mm-hmm. Oh no! Probably spending time with friends uh, whenever I get the chance, but not not now, not now. <laughs> I, they they want to hang out now since we got free time. I'm like, no, no chance. There's no chance I'm doing that right now. Too risky. You watching any good shows? Yeah, I actually have. I've been watching. Um, 
uh, me and my dad actually has been watching The Last Dance by um, uh, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think I found my inspiration now for Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on uh, episode five already, but yeah, I've been watching that. I've been watching. I don't know if you guys know Outer Banks. It's on Netflix. Oh, is it good? It's yeah. it's on our list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been watching that and um, the 100 on Netflix as well. I watched those two. Oh, those three so far. Right, good to yeah. hear, Sam. Solid recommendations. Yeah, yeah, pretty good shows. So, kind of turning back to soccer a little bit, you know, you talked a little bit about how you've talked to some of your mentors on the team, and just kind of curious, you know, what conversations have you had with the coaching staff? Like, what do you need to do to for us to see you out at Audi Field and play mm-hmm. for the, the senior team? Yeah, I've talked to all three coaches, um, Chad, Nolan, Ben. They all gave me really good constructive feedback. And for me to get there, I just had to be patient. Even though I want to get on the field like, really badly and they can see it, I just got to be patient, wait my turn, keep working hard, keep uh, having my head level, uh, keep learning a lot from the players in my position or out of position, learning the game a lot more, which is true because um, all that can be really, really important when it comes to game time. Because uh, if I don't have that down now, and then in the game, it could be a lot different than I expected it to be than our normal academy game. So, um, which I'm doing, being patient, like they said, keep working, keeping my head level. And yeah, watching watching um, some past previous games that DC had, seeing like players like Paul or Felipe, like players in my position, uh, I just learned from them now. So if I do get my chance, I can execute and yeah, make the coaches happy, make the team happy, make the fans happy. So, you know, you're a homegrown player. You know, did you grow up a DC fan all along, or did that kind of develop as you got into the academy and took Yeah, my yeah, my uh, my brothers like DC before I was like maybe four or five. Uh, I didn't even know like what DC was. I didn't even know where I was living at. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they they like DC, and um, my parents took me to a couple RK games. And yeah, I, I when I was at those games, I was like, "Wow, I, this is where I want to be." And later on in the future, I didn't know it was gonna come this soon, but yeah, I wanted to be in those. Like, and I see like players like it was my favorite for a long time for a DC player was Christian Gomez. That was my favorite DC United player. Yeah, him. Yeah. So, you, so you went to RFK and you still wanted to play for DC. So that's, <laughs> that's admirable there. Yep, <laughs> yep. I wanted to play for DC so bad at that moment. Even though I was like five, six, I wanted to run on the pitch and start playing. But yeah, it it was it's crazy that how how um, time flies. I was like five, six going to those games now. Ten years later, I'm actually in practice with, with those guys. Same Bill. Yeah, I remember watching Bill play. And um, going out to uh, Paul's first uh, training. Um, uh, yeah, I was there for that first training. And I took a couple of pictures with Coach Bill. I took one with Paul, but I can't find it. But, I, yeah, I showed the guys. And, yeah, I was I was tiny. I was even tinier than I was <laughs> now. So, And I just showed them. And they say, like, wow, time has changed. And, yeah, it's really cool. It's a really cool experience right now. That's so That's awesome. awesome. You got I such a cool story. I also grew up in the DMV. So, you just – you know, <laughs> obviously yes. I could have never played for the team, but that I also played soccer. So it's awesome to hear that you kind of had that passion at the team and then you're mm-hmm. seeing it through and living that dream. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Kevin, do you have a, a favorite memory from the fan side of, of going to games at RFK? Is there anything that, that sticks out to you? So I remember one game I was against Chicago. One of the games I can clearly remember right now. I think it was Patrick Mullen scored. It was, I don't know, three or four against Chicago or something like that. I was Jesus, in the Pupusa line for at least two of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was watching that game. I was like, wow, this this man's tearing it up for DC. And yeah, that was a game that I can really remember. That's probably one of my favorite memories. Seeing just like how one player can impact a game, scoring that many goals. And yeah, that was probably my favorite RK moment. Well, Kevin, we hope to see you out there tearing it up like that soon. There's a question we ask all our player guests and even some of the non-players. In 30 seconds or less, can you tell us why we should buy your jersey and wear it to the games? Why you should buy my jersey? Yes, sir. So now I'm six, uh, just turned 17 two days ago. Uh, Young talent, hardworking, 
always hungry to play, always hungry to work hard. You know, put I'll put my life on the line for the team, for the fans. You know, work hard for them. So hopefully come out and I can be a big part of making history, making a, winning an MLS Cup. So, yeah. It's gonna come soon. I'm telling you guys that it's coming to come soon. <laughs> I love it. A guaranteed MLS Cup win. <laughs> That's that a strong pitch. Argument. That's a strong pitch. Well, it, it's been awesome to talk to you, Kevin. You've you've got a great story, and and we love hearing uh, a homegrown who's grown up in the area and and bleeds black and red even before you know you got on the pitch. And by the way, happy belated birthday. We forgot to kick off Thank the segment you. with that. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Anything fun for for the birthday? I know it's a, a tough tough time to be celebrating but did, did did the family get you anything special or yeah yeah we ate um came back here and uh stayed here my family was here my brother's here and we just we had a good time here we ate pizza had cake yeah, it was it was better than i expected to be at the hours gonna just chill here and stuff yeah but yeah they made it really really fun and really really loving from them so i appreciate them for that that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for for taking some time on your birthday week or your birthday month, however you typically spread it out uh, to, to be with us on the shows. It was great having you on. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. That's DC United homegrown Kevin Paredes joining us here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And we will be right back to talk a bit about which Bundesliga team we're all going to start following because next weekend there is soccer coming back. The DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than two minutes. Can't listen to us live on YouTube? Find Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or Pocket Casts the morning after the match. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 90 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening live. If you want to join the conversation, let us know what you think in real time using the chat on YouTube Live, on Twitter using the hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU, or text us at 202-892-6328. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds. Let us know what you think between games on Twitter at hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU or email us at TriedAndTrueDCU at gmail.com. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 30 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Tried and True DCU. Again, that's Instagram or Twitter at Tried and True DCU. Well, we know we have the power rankings going for the best FIFA players on DC United, but we may have to come up with the power rankings for the best jersey pitch because that was another strong one tonight as we come back here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. I, that was a good one. It, willing to give his life for the team. That's that's a lot. That's a strong statement. A pretty much guaranteed MLS Cup win, too. I'm, I'm really excited for that one. <laughs> Well, hopefully we don't have to wait to uh, put a fifth star on the jersey before we throw his name on the back. True. Yeah, you're right. It was it was a pretty solid pitch for this season. And then you can say that you had it when he signed, you know, and before he brought that cup home. They're, they're going to audit the stimulus checks and see that we all spent them all on DC United player jerseys <laughs> based on these <laughs> interviews. So, I, but as I mentioned, you know, before we threw to break, there I, we've been we've been talking about it for weeks, and we kind of built it up. And last week we didn't have the good news we hoped for, but we finally got it early this week. The Bundesliga is the first major soccer league, first major you know really sports league around the world to come back. Uh, we've seen a, a couple leagues start in Korea, um, but 
when when you think about global soccer leagues, I mean, the Bundesliga is easily in the top five, uh, and, and they're coming back this weekend. Uh, or I guess rather next weekend, but but just a week from now. I can't wait. I woke up this morning and was like, next week at this time, I'll be upstairs. Multiple TVs will be on for the first time in forever. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's it almost doesn't feel real. I almost feel like they're going to make an announcement on like Friday that's like, nope, never mind. And then it's going to be pushed back because we're so used to everything being pushed back. So I almost have to like see it to believe it. But and now that Sam said it. I guess we'll have to see what happens. But. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be the Bundesliga seems to have taken a stance here, which is, I guess, very German of them of like, hey, some people are going to get infected and we're going to quarantine them and we're going to treat them. And when they're healthy again, we'll bring them back. But they, they don't seem to be bothered at all by the fact that, like, definitely some folks are going to get infected. There's nothing we can do to stop that. But we're going to press. And, uh, you know, some of the other leagues around the world preparing for this don't know if they've been willing to accept it quite as much. And I think we saw just yesterday a couple more players uh, in, in the two Bundesliga um, tested positive, And so now they'll go into quarantine. But that's going to be a new variable here of, you know, top player. It doesn't go down with an injury, but, you know, unfortunately contracts COVID-19 and, and, and now they're out for an indefinite amount of time. What do you what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, Germany definitely, I mean, each country is handling the virus very differently, you know, not to get um, political, but, you know, Germany is a much smaller country and they, you know, have their healthcare is different, their testing procedures are different. Um, so I think that that all needs to be kept in mind when you're talking about their mentality. Mentality. I don't think they're saying that they're going to like sacrifice fans for the good of soccer or anything like that. I think they're just, you know, structured a little bit differently. Um, but it will. I mean, you know, we kind of mentioned at the top of the show that MLS doesn't want those, you know, negative headlines of starting too soon and having, you know, top players or fans getting infected. So it'll be interesting, you know, what happens. Well, and back to your point, John, you know, I do think it'll be interesting, particularly when you have a, a strange environment here. Like we had players miss games with flu-like symptoms, you know, plenty of times. And it's a physical game. Injuries happen. But particularly in an incident like this, where you could have a player who feels perfectly fine and wants to get out there, but if they're testing positive, you can't have them out there and potentially spreading the virus to other players. Not only is that a major health risk, but it really undermines the integrity of the competition if you don't have you know, full squads out there. I mean, God forbid an entire team you know, test positive and then you're out for two weeks trying to figure out the scheduling. It, it becomes a mess in a hurry. Yeah, they're absolutely going to be in trouble as a league if mass infections hit one specific team. I mean, I, there's there's easily going to be calls from other teams, from the government, from fans to pause it again because you can't. I mean, what what do you do if in a, you you've got a you know you've got to play with largely your second team or or you don't even have enough players to field a team. I mean, I, I, they're, they're obviously taking a big risk, but it sounds like they feel as though they can they can make it happen. Um, one of the things that I particularly am frustrated about with the Bundesliga's return, though, and I, I think collectively on the show, as far as international leagues go, we probably all follow the, the English leagues closer than, than the others. And, you know, in England, they've been talking all about making the games more available for fans, staggering the times, etc., and they're just not doing that in Germany. You know, I looked at the, the schedule for, for next weekend, and how are you going to have five games at one time? It's crazy. Like, you could have played them all throughout the weekend. The whole world would be watching. Uh, and, and I've already got to choose which games I'm going to put on to start it out. It, to me, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed when I saw the schedule, too. I, I think it kicks off with a, with a pretty good bang with Dortmund and Schalke playing. Those are two of the top teams in the league, but there's like three games. Like you said, there's three or four games going on at the same exact time, but they are in Europe. So I guess they're, they're trying to plan. Maybe those are the prime time games that they could set across the globe. And uh, I mean, I'll probably go back and watch the games that I didn't get to watch while I was watching. I'm definitely going to watch the Dortmund Schalke game, like I mentioned, but uh, yeah, I, I want all the soccer. Uh, I guess I'll be happy with the little bit that they're giving me. Yeah, it looks like here in the U.S., well, I mean, globally, there's five games all kicking off at 930 Eastern. Um, 
but in that window, we'll get Borussia Dortmund Schalke, which is obviously the big game of the weekend. That's on FS1. Uh, Leipzig Freiburg is on Tuden. And it looks like Augsburg Wolfsburg is on Fox Soccer Plus, which is a channel that still exists. Um, the other two games in that window are not on. They're on Fox Soccer Match Pass. Um, and then uh, it looks like the rest of the weekend is, is on the standard channels. But, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, why would you not spread this out more? Uh, it, it's a head-scratcher for me. Well, it, it would seem... I mean, obviously you can't schedule out too much. Like if you only did say two games a day and really tried to just maximize every evening, even if you're doing it on German time, what have you, I could definitely see it becoming a challenge if you're trying to get several weeks together and balancing the schedules out. At least this way, it appears that you're avoiding most midweek games, getting through it as quickly as possible. But I, I think I agree with all of y'all that I would rather have as much soccer as possible and let me sit down and just watch it all day and i'm good yeah, it's, it's almost go ahead john i was just gonna say it's a, it's a beggars can't be choosers moment like i can't complain too much because i've been crying for months and we haven't had sports right so <laughs> i will yeah. take it it just feels like a bit of a miss on the on the revival yeah well i wonder what you know fans of the league think about this like specifically in germany i wonder if they're just like eager to get back or if they're also bummed i also don't know a whole lot about like what restrictions they currently have in place like what social restrictions they have in place but i'm just thinking about like here even in dc specifically people are still going to bars and just you know standing outside with the drink that they just bought um so i don't have five tvs john you're probably the only one i know who has five tvs so it's almost like encouraging people to go out to bars to watch these games right so that way they can watch all of them and then that's putting it even further at risk then you're not just risking you know the teams but the public well, and that, that was definitely part of England's proposed response was, you know, staggering the games so that they could all be made available on TV. And then they were also trying to work with some of the like free to air channels to see if, you know, OK, Sky would be willing to simulcast or whatever. So that e even there, you know, one, they're mitigating multiple games on it once for crowding purposes. But then, two, you know, if you're the only one in your neighborhood on your block or in your building that has Sky and your games on Sky, like they don't want to have you having 30 people over to watch the game right um so yeah this is this is interesting to me but um it does seem like they're not anticipating big crowds uh, outside the stadium which is something that i think a lot of the leagues around the world are going to be interested to see you know we saw that just before the global lockdowns really started in the champions league as they moved to a couple games behind closed doors before they you know halted everything and there were massive crowds outside um so it'll be interesting to see like can't do the crowd stay away because i think a lot of the governments have said hey you know general public you've got a role to play here too if you want there to still be soccer you've got to stay home and and you you can't get in the way of this or we will stop it yeah that's a good point i mean i think i don't know again i'm just like is this actually going to happen it feels too good to be true to have soccer back <laughs> Yeah. And, well, uh, oh, go ahead, Black. Well, I was going to say, I think it applies to how we're looking at MLS's potential return. Obviously, nothing's been announced uh, fully yet, but you know, they're talking about a number of different ideas, whether it's a tournament, whether it's playing it at a remote site, you know, trying to find ways to get it going. We talked ad nauseum about how those leagues are in a very different position. You know, what the German League's trying to get done by the end of June, six or seven games, just so they can have it all finished we've got an entire season to try to fit in. I, the longer it goes, the harder and harder that becomes. So it's definitely a challenge. Yeah, that's a good point. There are different things at stake um, for leagues around the world. You know, you've got, you've got trophies. You don't want an asterisk next to you. Got Champions League berths to, to wrap up. Uh, but it is interesting. One of the things that FIFA's done to try to mitigate that, and, and I, I see going through our, we have a live group chat nowadays during the show because we can't all sit next to each other anymore <laughs> is the, uh, the FIFA ruling that up to five subs, uh, I believe was the number per game now. Um, and they've also potentially said that leagues have the option to eliminate VAR. If they had implemented it, they can eliminate it moving forward for the rest of this season. Um, I, I don't think we'll see that in Germany. I'd be shocked because they're playing in all of the, the stadiums that you know are already equipped for it. But I think that one of the big questions around the world is if you move to like a neutral site 
type deal or if England were to go to like the training facility for the national team for a game and they don't have the infrastructure to do VAR, I think they said they would, you know, kind of kill it across across the league for the rest of the year. But boy, does that open a can of worms. It, I mean, it, yeah, it's already so controversial. And I hadn't thought about it like that. You know, obviously they're implementing more subs um, because, you know, as much as you're trying to, to train your teams right now, we did just go through like a two-month break. Um, and, you know, guys are eager to get on the field, but you don't want to see an increase in injury. Um, so that was kind of the, the logic behind that additional sub is because people will be less fit. You can get more bodies on the field. Um, I hadn't thought about that VAR thought process yet it kind of just struck me as weird but I mean it would be interesting but I mean MLS did that MLS introduced VAR halfway through the season and completely changed the game and it infuriated me so and and we've seen you know particularly in in England and I, I I believe the Open Cup last year did not have it at all if I remember correctly but in England in some of those competitions um it was based on if the home if the game was played at a Premier League ground they would have VAR, but if it was at a lower league ground, they would not. And it was just like, okay. I mean, I guess I understand within that particular game, it's a level playing field because you know, you've got VAR for both teams or you don't, but from a competition as a whole perspective, boy, that's a, that's a big variable. (laughs) It makes such a difference. I mean, it really does not even like that. The decisions are so vastly different between live and being able to look at a screen, but just like the play gets slowed down and, you know, you see momentum change sometimes, especially, you know, whether, where the decision goes, you know, that can really get at a team or really make a team feel empowered. Like it is such a game changer. So, yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason I got so mad when they introduced it halfway through the season. It's no secret. I don't like VAR ever, but the fact that, I mean, that season was crazy. It was such a difference between the beginning and the end. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit of fun watching back the old games that they're playing, all these MLS classics, and watching back especially, like, the very early league ones where it was basically street soccer. And you're like, could you imagine <laughs> if they had today's standards plus VAR? Like, everyone would be red carded off. Well, I'd be curious. I, I do not know the statistics on it, but I would be curious how many times you had a VAR decision that they just couldn't get a good angle on you know because putting a screen down to be able to show whatever they're showing is not particularly hard but getting the number of cameras you would need to get a full picture of it it's not like tennis where you've got the the one shot system saying you know this is in this is out it seems to me that for the most part you've gotten clear enough pictures to make a decision about what happened on the field now whether the official makes the right decision based on that you know we'll be arguing until VAR is no more or we're not but uh either way there I'd be curious to know what the real technical limitation is on implementing it more often if it's just a question of hey this one stadium doesn't have great camera angles for tv that's why we can't do VAR there that seems like a problem they need to address yeah truly I would be surprised if they actually if any leagues choose to get rid of it I mean I think even you know, obviously following the Premier League the closest, it seems like they want to host in a small number of neutral sites, but they would probably all be Premier League stadiums that are already equipped. Like I, I would suspect, and just knowing, knowing the attitude in England, even if there was a very good reason to get rid of VAR, there would be all sorts of whining about <laughs> what has happened earlier in the season had we not had VAR, and yeah, it would be a lot of a lot of my friends in Leicester too, because I think we've had a rough go with VAR. You know, everybody feels like they did, but. I would prefer that you know you at least just keep the keep the level playing field. If you did it for half the season, you should you should keep going with it. But, but I, would other... pre- I would predict that if they were to undo it and take away for the rest of the season, it would be very hard to bring back outside of a mass FIFA edict to say yeah you have to have this otherwise we're not recognizing your league. Sam sees this as the opportunity to kill it once and for all. Literally, I was thinking that. I'm glad that Black brought it up. Is that what if all the leagues are just like, no, it's too difficult. We just want to play out our games. And all the fans are like, freaking finally, I've only been praying for this every night. And then all the leagues are like, you're right. We should just get rid of it. And FIFA's like, silly us, MLS, stop practicing new things. I think you're daydreaming out loud on our podcast. But <laughs> I, I don't want to get too much further into a segment we're going to cover later, but one of the solutions that uh, Goff had presented was MLS going down to Orlando and playing on the fields down there. I don't think those, I, I think the reason they would go down there is to play on the many fields they have. And I don't think any of those fields are prepped for AAR. 
No, I, I don't think they are either. It, it's... So it might be us. It, it might be us that, <laughs> that do it. We we led the league into it or the, the world into VAR and we'll bring them out. Back out. Yes. I don't think I don't think it'll be a permanent change though. I think it'll be while we're at the practice fields next to Disney. Yeah. How, how do we feel about that concept of doing a shorter term tournament? I mean, I think all of us would welcome soccer back in whatever form we can get. But if you're going to do something where it's, you know, a one leg knockout or, you know, smaller thing, games we can't necessarily go to, it's just being played so that you can play it. I was thinking Is that about it. sufficient for us or how, how do we feel about that? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today. I, it's almost too bad that we have the three Canadian teams in the league because truly you could have made it like a, like a mini Open Cup type thing. And then it would have been like, okay, you know, fine. This is a tournament. It's not it's not friendlies, right? But it's not league games. But there's there's a purpose behind it and you could make it, you know, double elimination or you could do something with it to make it like a meaningful trophy at the end. I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, cuz some of the articles we've seen has been like, you know, hey, they're going to do a tournament, but then they're also going to try to bring it back to stadiums and then try to do the playoffs and like do the games count equally then? Is there like an armadillo-like trophy at the end of the Orlando tournament? How, how does this work? But, I mean, have you guys been to the ESPN Wild World of Sports? Because it's a pretty impressive complex. And I actually think they might be onto something if they could quarantine some folks in, in one of the Disney or multiple of the Disney resorts and play out an entire tournament right there. I mean, there's like 40 fields and it's literally named after ESPN. So like the infrastructure is there. I, I think instead of a star, you should get an asterisk for winning that tournament. I would, maybe, maybe no you one would ever head. count it for anything. Red Bulls would probably win it. And, <laughs> and they'd think they won the world, but literally if DC United won it, I don't think, I don't think I would consider it equal or even close to equal to MLS cup. And that kind of, that answers the question that you were bringing black. That I, I would love some soccer. It would be cool to see them play meaningful matches. It it it, will, it won't mean as much as a full season. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, John said, you know, it's almost like an armadillo trophy. You know, you, you want the games to be meaningful. Obviously, any soccer right now is great, but I understand that the league wants more than just friendlies right now. Like they want games that mean something. So, I think you almost make like a, a Corona trophy or, you know, you name it something crazy. I don't know, the Chris Wondolowski trophy because his last <laughs> season was ripped short. Um, but I, I feel like you, don't, you make a separate trophy, you have a tournament, you acknowledge what it is because I think the Shield, which already doesn't mean as much this season specifically, and the MLS Cup, like, it's not the same. And I think whatever team wins it, a lot of their fans are going to be like, yeah, we won a trophy. Some of their fans are going to be like, it doesn't count as much. And then the rest of the league is going to be like, it doesn't count as much. You know, that we've said so many times it's different that like all these European leagues, you know, they only have a handful of games left. Those trophies still kind of mean the same thing because you're playing the same number of games. But this season, if you just did some crazy knockout tournament and you're trying to say that that was the same exact thing that, you know, all these teams have gone through all season to win a cup, I just don't think anyone would really buy that. Well, and it's obviously a very different environment from like the E FIFA tournament that they've been playing. But I know for my part, I enjoyed watching you know, Paul and Mo win their first game against New England, and then you know, unfortunately a drop that second game. And I haven't tuned into the rest. Uh, if you were to do a knockout tournament where DC maybe only played two or three games, that's a very different thing than saying, okay, well, we played it and broke it up into groups where you played around Robin and maybe we only played 10 games over the course of, you know, this to feed into this abbreviated tournament. But if you just arrange the teams in the league and played a straight knockout, uh, I'm not sure I'm here for that. Well, one of the things that ESPN is reporting that could potentially be a trophy, if you will, um, for this like mini tournament could potentially be a CONCACAF Champions League spot, um, which would definitely make it appealing. Um, and, and I think they actually could do that pretty easily if the Open Cup is canceled, like we all think is going to happen. Maybe they're just kind of gambling on one of the Canadian teams not winning. Uh, or, or maybe they maybe there's a couple up for grabs because, you know, I, I don't know if the Canadian Championship will happen either. 
Um, so that, that, that would make it fun. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's going to be weird no matter what. I think it's kind of the only, the only thing that we all have kind of settled on here is that no matter how this comes back, it's going to be weird. Um, but that's MLS, right? I mean, it's, it's always weird <laughs> if you think about it. That's very true. Yep. Always the little oddballs out in the whole soccer world, but I will say that, you know, the U S open cup did play through the 1919 Spanish flu. They've got a short article on here on their website talking about uh, how it was in doubt and as being one of the longest running soccer competitions in the country. Uh, it would be a shame not to get that, but understanding what it is and where it falls in the hierarchy. It's tough. And to go back to talking about you know, the broader use of you know, small school tournaments, I would love to see the preseason tournaments matter more. I still think one of my favorite trophies I've seen us win was the Armadillo. I'd love to see more MLS teams get in there and play more games. But I understand as well that we already have a lot of extra congestion, particularly with the uh, crossover games with the Amenities. It's tough to do, but I would love to see some kind of early season uh, action that would matter more and get people ready to go. Uh, just my two cents. I mean, they'd have to make those preseason games available, I think, then. Like, I remember them being a lot more available. Um, they weren't available. I think there was the one game that was available this season. Um, you know, even, you know, the old preseason games, too, it was definitely, like, it felt like some dad on his iPhone, like, recording his kid playing. That was like the feel of the quality of video, but I, I still loved it. You're kind of ironically, you know, you thought postseason was such a long time and you were finally coming back to soccer and you just wanted it as much as possible. Um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely an opportunity there. You know, Josh was making the money symbol. Yeah, anybody that's willing to pay uh, 100%, we can make that a reality. Uh, but I think the other thing is the league continues to expand. And we talked last week about you know, potentially a future merger in the cards with Liga Amiakis, there's going to be teams you don't see every year. You know, even if we don't merge, right, we're already on that track where we're not playing a couple of teams in the Western Conference every year. And as we continue to grow as a league, yeah, I don't think any of us love that. Um, but, you know, what if DC, you know, comes up with a huge rivalry in the preseason against the Las Vegas Lights, who they played a couple years in the preseason, like, that's fun. You know, we go to Vegas every preseason. I mean, I, I would sign up for that, you know, um, or some of the other teams that you just don't see as much and, and maybe even across some of the, the USL circuits as well. Um, you know, we used to play Charleston. We used to play Richmond more. And you don't see it as much. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm here for, for some games against Richmond. I mean, that's an easy, easy ride away. Or if it's in the preseason, it's probably not in Richmond. But, you know, definitely an opportunity there. Yeah, I totally agree. Maybe a little like, I don't know, like regional action. You're right. And it doesn't have to be necessarily MLS, um, but you've still got those rivalries happening. I like it. I'd be here for it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of regional rivalries, we're going to all play against each other in, in FIFA. We've got a, a few other people uh, joining us, we, we we reached out to RFK, who who seemed pretty interested in joining our tournament. Uh, we're gonna push it off for one more week to make sure we get uh, some really clean clean brackets and and so that everyone can have the most amount of fun. Uh, but stay tuned for more information on that. Yeah, and if that's something that you're you're interested in joining, I think we do have a couple slots left that we could fill. So please let us know uh, as soon as possible uh, that you're interested. The tournament's on Xbox, uh, as we've mentioned before. Um, so we'll, we'll need to know your gamer tag and we'll, we'll get you in the loop there. And we're working with the team to try to figure out if there's any, uh, any players, uh, that we could potentially rope in. Although if I draw Kevin in the first round, I might just, I might just drop out because Listen, clearly we, it's we not possible. Baby, <laughs> we went to the baby bracket when we like had fewer numbers earlier in the week. And I'm pretty sure I was just out of that bracket. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyone who's, you know, hesitant about it, you're probably going to draw me, but I mean, I was already out, so I'm definitely going to be the one to draw Kevin. It's going to be like 38 to nothing, and he's just going to, I don't know, quit the team. He's going to be like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> so, so just to put a bow on the show here, because we, we, we failed to actually bring it up during that segment. Um, before we talk next week, there will be real soccer. Have any of the three of you settled on your official Bundesliga team, or like me, is this kind of a period of open tryouts and you're you're, you're trying on some of the teams for size to see who you like? I'll say before 
Joshua speaks, and I have strong opinions on the same as John. I, if anyone wants to like try to get me over to their team, it doesn't take a lot to convince me. I really just need someone to say this is your team now. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of open to watching soccer. I'll take that as my opportunity. I'm going with the Schalke before for these reasons. Okay, they got Weston McKinney scored a hat trick at Audi Field. He's a U.S. kid, Army brat. Spent a couple of years in Germany. Came back to the FCD Dallas Academy. He signed for the Virginia Cavaliers, but turns out he's pretty good at soccer. So he went over to Germany and now is playing professionally for them. Uh, there's a bund or a Premier League move in the cards for him. So it'd be really interesting to watch Schalke, who are battling for a European spot, uh, and Weston as they uh, achieve greatness. I think. So is this like your lifelong now you're a fan of this team or is this like a four right now this team is interesting and we'll see what happens i, I will say i watched a decent amount of Bund bundesliga you know when like via was the premier league game of the week i, I would you know watch Bayern destroy someone ridiculously and sam yeah. for the record you're not allowed to change teams after you pick one just, that's like a fanhood <laughs> thing I think I don't... Like a, this team will be interesting to watch for the next several weeks while no other soccer is happening and then i'm going to go back to not following a team or you know lifelong fans start now okay go for it yep the, the you most your first folks. <laughs> the most bundesliga i've ever followed is just actively rooting against Bayern. so that tradition will continue um, I think that kind of grew out of, you know, getting into soccer as a Real fan and, and seeing them in some Champions League games and just even our what a good friend of the show who lives in Switzerland, you know, I texted him and was like, hey, Adrian, you know, who's who's the go to team? And he replied, anybody but Bayern. So I, I feel pretty good. Uh, but I will tell you personally, I've got it narrowed down, I think, between the two Borussias, Dortmund and Mönchengladbach and I unfortunately one of the things we won't see in the next few weeks uh is is the fan atmosphere because that's clearly going to be missing but we know Dortmund's got a world-renowned one I'm a little hung up on the fact that they sing you'll never walk alone so that might not work for me uh, but Masha Gladbach their 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 fans are crazy and and their social media game is outstanding I remember a couple years ago they played I think it was it was one of the Manchester's perhaps in, in one of the European competitions. And there was a bar in England that had, you know, wrote on one of those little folding chalkboards out front, you know, Manchester city versus some German team. Like that was what they chose to write instead of writing out the entire lengthy name. And the, the social media account changed their name to some German team. <laughs> and from there on, I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> That's pretty great. I will cat. I'll put it. We'll see what you think about this. Michael Bradley used to play for Gladbach. So take take that with what you, you know. Do with that what you want. Just a spit take. <laughs> I, I, I don't hate him as much as, as you guys do. I'm, I, I think I think Bradley's, you know, I, I like Michael Bradley. So I'm okay with that. Black, what do you think? Who, who Who's your go-to? Or are we still on the fence? I think my selection is going to be uh, the VFL Wolfsburg. They're a, uh, you know, currently right at the at seventh in the league. Uh, so just outside the Champions League places, but only a point out. So hopefully they're uh, going to be an opportunity to move up and play in Europe next year. They won the league once back in 2008-2009, and I happen to already have a jersey lying around. So <laughs> easy, lifelong choice there. It's a sergeant, right? Mm-hmm. Nice. Solid. Coming into this very well-researched, Mr. Black. So I can't wait for next weekend, uh, and, and I'm sure we'll be giddy with excitement to talk about the the big goals and the big saves uh, on next week's show. So any any closing thoughts uh, from the crew? Soccer, man. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, happy Mother's Day to, to all the mothers out there, uh, especially several of ours who listen to the show uh, every week, <laughs> which is awesome. So thanks, everyone, uh, for joining us tonight. Fantastic interview with Kevin. So if you joined us late, uh, please go back and, uh, and and give that a listen because uh, we, we found out exactly who we beat 10-0 in FIFA, and we will certainly remind uh, Bill when he's on the show <laughs> sometime down the road. So <laughs> thanks for joining us this week on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken, and we'll talk to you next week about real, live, actual soccer right here. <laughs>
Camouflage de Simpoto, it's your eyes and throw.